And I understand it's history. And I understand we can't erase certain parts of our history. I think we have to show it and then for us to teach it and say, how do we make things better? And I think art is a is a great way to do that. But the Playboy, uh, no, I, I, if she needs a hand with it, let me know. I'm happy to, uh, to praise it. Hi, I'm Matt McKee, and welcome to Cherry Bomb the Podcast, a series of conversations with people about food, art, and sustainability. Today I'm speaking in the studio with Dave Manzi, appraiser of, among other things, art. He is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and a longtime Boston Rotarian who follows the rotary motto of service above self. This episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast is sponsored by Do Not, a part of my Sweet Blast series of limited edition photos at theartofmattmckee.com. I created the series of bright, colorful, provocative images with the mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of food, art, and sustainability. You can check out the whole series at theartofmattmckee.com. David, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is a, it's a great treat. Can't wait. <laughs> Hopefully I live up to your expectations. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so my first question, really, when I was uh, doing my homework, was what is an appraiser? So an appraiser is uh, someone who values uh, objects uh, in regards to personal property, which I do. Uh, there's real property, which is real estate, homes, Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this personal property artwork, uh, contents of someone's home. So an appraiser would go in, develop a methodology, a scope of work to assess these items, research it, create a narrative uh, using guidelines set by the uh, USPAP, which is a, a guideline by the appraisal associations that they use. It's a, a national standard board to create credibility in ethical behavior when you're uh, looking at a, a painting, a decorative object, or a piece of furniture, for example. So okay. somebody can just go online and, you know, eBay, for example, and see that uh, uh, very cool uh, antique napkin dispenser uh, that you have here. And, you know, they could see, that's well, $10. Uh, but, you know, that's just a, a, a guesstimate. What an appraiser does uh, is train for years to... Uh, to look at some of the characteristics, uh, look at some of the extraordinary and extraordinary uh, type of assumptions uh, to develop an opinion of value. So essentially, an appraiser develops an opinion of value. Okay. And why would somebody need an appraiser? I can think of a couple of reasons, but sure. what, are, what officially is the reason for you to have your contents of sure. your home appraised? So when I, when I started this, I started this in April of 2021. Uh, I kind of left work at the end of December 2019, just to give a little background. Uh, you know, I worked in the restoration company for antiques and art, artwork. I didn't do any of the restoration, but I, I was in touch with a tremendous amount of beautiful artwork uh, for about 18 years. Mm. So I was getting a little tired, burnt out. I uh, resigned. I was planning on going to Florida, to our place in Florida, to uh, to you know, for the for the winter, mm-hmm. and then come back in the spring of 2020. But COVID happened, mm-hmm. so that didn't work out. Uh, so during the middle of the pandemic, I decided what better better thing to do for me is to start my own business. So <laughs> I did that in April. It's been great since then. I've done a lot of insurance work, so a lot of insurance losses, damage losses, floods, fires, mm-hmm. to look at artwork, furniture, and decorative objects. 
uh, for restoration and for values, comparable values. I can't restore items. I can't put two sticks together. So I decided <laughs> I could, you know, learn a little more about the appraisal industry, learn a little more of uh, how to develop an opinion of a value. Uh, and I have uh, tremendous uh, mentors that I still work with. Now I'm doing some interesting individual pieces from individual clients, not insurance losses. Okay. Uh, the majority of the work is still insurance, but right. we're, we're moving into a lot more. Uh, for example, Wednesday, I'll be heading up to Vermont to look at a Paul Revere bell that was in a church steeple f- fire. Uh, it is a Paul Revere bell. However, they're not sure if it's a Paul Revere bell when Paul Revere himself was in the foundry. So mm-hmm. uh, it's very exciting. I can't wait to get up there on Wednesday to look at it. So you get to check out American history, well, history period. Yeah, and I think with this one, uh, I think we're going to document a little differently so that the whole trip, so we can get that whole story out. Hmm. Because I, I think it, it's going to be a, a very interesting piece of American history because there aren't many of those left, yeah. and very excited about that. Who are your clients, though? I mean, obviously the insurance companies want to yeah. make sure they can value things so that they're paying out. Correct. What they need to, not more, That's not right. less. Um, but you also said you have... A private clients uh, that uh, when I present a contract with them, we go over everything, uh, whether we can use their pieces in promotional material, whether they want to be kept confidential. Mm-hmm. A lot of them want to be kept confidential, of course, but they're allowing to use some photos, just not names, but some uh, some of the great masters, the modern masters that we've seen in the past couple months have been Alpers, Vassarelli, Picasso. Uh, there, there's oh, been yeah. uh, quite a few, uh, you know, those great known artists. But then there's some of these uh, just trinkets, right? There's this like Turkish shoeshine, antique shoeshine kit that my client was over in Turkey. Didn't have a whole lot of money to give uh, for a tip to this gentleman. Gentleman said it was fine. He did come back. He gave him some money. And then that uh, shoeshine man was so uh, impressed by that. Uh, and he gave him the shoeshine kit. And it's tremendous. Oh, wow. It's beautiful. And, you know, seeing something that uh, somebody made a thousand years ago, and you're looking at it, you're touching, you're feeling it, you're trying to see any markings, any type of signatures. Uh, like a maker's mark. Yeah. Even you look inside that uh, inside that bowl, for example, a recent piece that I was looking at, that the hands that created this bowl had seen tremendous things, you know, probably thousands and thousands of years old. And oh, wow. just kind of amazing. Who saw that bowl? Who drank out of it? Who used that bowl? Those are the questions that keep you uh, keep you thinking <laughs> and thinking. It's, uh, it's just incredible. So I love to see the pieces that people have, the stories that people have of those pieces that I'm appraising or evaluating or assessing is just, uh, you know, remarkable. This past week, uh, I was on the Cape prior to the the big storm, uh, looking at some artwork that his sister was the, the artist in some shows in New York, some hanging in the, um, the uh, museums in New York city. These were damaged by water and mold. It's sad, but mm. just the, just to know this, sto- hear the stories that she was with people like, um, I can't think of his name. <laughs> the gentleman who painted uh, uh, the uh, tomato can. Uh, oh, Andy the, the, Warhol. Andy Warhol, thank you. To be in a show with him, uh, oh, wow. speaking to him 
Uh, that must have been pretty pretty intense. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So. Although the, the, the question that always occurs to me is, you know, when you're in history, when you are in the moment. Yeah. Andy. Here comes Andy. Yeah. You know, but yeah, he's famous now, but, you know, it's just another person. Correct. It isn't until later on that yeah. you go, that was Andy Warhol. Yeah. And he was famous and he True. broke all kinds yeah. of rules. And it's like that, uh, like the story with the bull. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. Know, have these historical figures uh, that we read about and in textbooks and history books uh have they used this specific bowl i mean that's yeah. uh that's a beautiful feeling yeah oh, no doubt well that's actually part of the reason why i did uh my tool series which there's an example up here on the wall there it is yeah i got fascinated by looking at these old wrenches that dated back to early 1800s mm-hmm. late 1900s that kind of thing and it was just you know, somebody designed this wrench or customized this wrench to solve a certain problem. Yeah. Who was that person? Why did they have to solve that problem? And yeah. they just, you know, this was a tool that they used. They yeah. didn't think anything of it. And I look at it as a beautiful piece of sculptural I, functionality. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, everything in the studio is. But that, <laughs> when you look at that, it that hasn't changed. Yeah. You know, so you can't make it better. No, so, no. Uh, That's amazing. Is there something specific that is your favorite part of your job right now? Yeah, again, I, I think it's the uh, the history. I was a history major in, in college. Uh-huh, and, okay. uh, so, you know, the history of pieces, particularly American history, uh, is to me is fascinating. And uh, just to, again, know, we looked at one time a drop front secretary. You've seen them, you get the pullouts, it mm-hmm. holds it, it draws inside the pigeonhole. There's some yeah. hidden compartments. Those are always so fascinating. And inside me. one of those hidden compartments was a was a letter from the uh, 1700s. Oh, my gosh. Uh, during the Revolutionary War that the clients did not know about it. Oh, my so gosh. So you, you read them, and, like, they were right there during during that battle in Lexington and Concord. And, and to know this family member, uh, whether they were directly involved or... You know, the piece was purchased. Uh, they couldn't go back that far to to say this was a, a family's piece. But it was it's a tremendous find, yeah. and uh, uh, not just for the value, but the historical component of that. And that's what I liked. I like to hear the stories from people from how they inherited these pieces, how they accumulated them, mm-hmm. what happened in the history of those pieces. That is some documented. I'm working with a a client on Beacon Hill now that has a uh, genealogy book. And, you know, she is trying to find out if that's her family. But when you look at some of these people uh, <laughs> on this genealogy, it's it's pretty impressive. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to find out a little more I, on that. I wonder about how, I mean, my fascination with the tools and your fascination with, with American history, I think that we have a drive to find out what our story is, of what our family's story yeah. is. And, of course, we always want to see it in a good light, but yeah, it's always that way. Yeah. What's the oldest item that you've appraised? I'd have to say that bowl. It's probably at least 2,500 years old. Oh, my gosh. Um, maybe older. This was the, the Turkish bowl? No, this, oh, this is, is a, a Mesopotamian bowl that pretty uh, pretty fascinating. But I'd probably say that. Uh, there's some classics that I'm working with now that I can't, can't uh, say for yet. sure uh, where we are with these, but the client is pretty well known in this field. So I, yeah, as a collector, so I would assume this is ten thousand years old. Oh my uh, gosh! So yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. When it comes to things like this, you said you were a history major in college, but 
for these things that go back. I mean, this is if you're talking ten thousand years, you're talking archaeology. You're talking right. a whole other science going right. on. How do you go about assessing something like this? Well, I think thankfully he has uh, all of the documentation, uh, and he's uh, very well educated in this field and has the connections in Europe uh, for this. Here in America, what two, three hundred years old pieces? I mean, mm. we consider that extremely old well, that's when not... you look at what's over in Europe or yeah. Asia. Or, well, that's uh, for for the the Western culture, but you also yeah. have the indigenous cultures as True. well, which yeah. goes back. That's right. Even yeah. further. So there's uh, sounds like a lot of homework. One of the mentors that I'm working with had looked at uh, a lot of Native American beautiful pieces, and again, the history of those. And I think it was Red Cloud personal items and uh so it's just incredible to look at it and to know the history of red cloud and what these personal items that he had in his life to see them it's uh unique yeah wow what's the most famous item that you've uh, had the opportunity to assess well famous in in the sense of uh name recognition yeah let's go with that probably picasso Okay. Uh, because I think most people know that yeah. name. And but, he was prolific in terms of like drawing on napkins and handing yeah. them to other patrons. Yeah. Do, you want me write, do you want me to draw something on that napkin yeah. for you? Or maybe, <laughs> you never know. But I think uh, I'd say that uh, obviously this Paul Revere Bell uh, mm. is going to be uh, one of the, hopefully one of the biggest ones. Uh, for European pieces that we've assessed uh, there's a uh, it's still some debate as to if it's a you know actual caravaggio oh wow a lot of a lot of these masters would be in their shops and and they would have their students paint things mm-hmm. and then they would just you know put their <laughs> name on the on the bottom of the painting but there's there's quite a few it's very hard to tell because i see so many of them but I, you know right off the top of my head probably probably those mm. Yeah. That's that's amazing to be able to reach back through history like that. One of the things that occurred to me as I was learning a little bit more about your story, and obviously from looking around my studio space in here with all the bric-a-brac I've gotten here, how often do you want to take the piece home with you after you get done assessing? Yeah, I uh, I want pretty much all the time. But I was just on, <laughs> on, on Beacon Street the other day again with another client who has this uh, an extremely well-known artist uh, that I'm not at liberty to discuss a lot of it, but uh, one of the founders of the Hudson Valley uh, mm-hmm. painting uh, school, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. And he's like, so you can take that? I was like, no, it's me. I can't even walk straight. Uh, <laughs> at least Cobble Street here in, in town. You know, I want to make it across the common to my office, <laughs> and my insurance wouldn't cover it. Yeah, We also do some... Uh, brokerage uh, part of our business, uh, and I'm helping to uh, broker some Wayland sculptures. They, oh, they're man. gorgeous. They're beautiful. I'm a little nervous to, uh, but I checked with my insurance company. They were good to go uh, and covered in my vehicle <laughs> and in my office. So, oh, yeah. Oh, to be holding that much history in your hand yeah. and go, oops. Yeah. Exactly. You had touched on something earlier uh, when we first started talking about uh, ethics and, and that kind of thing. And one of the things that also occurred to me was, you know, especially if you have something where you're crossing over doing not just assessing, but also being able to do brokerage work, mm-hmm. which is basically consignment. Yep. How does that ethics side of things? It has to be there in order for the trust to be there with your client. There is. And uh, with her, we have a, a long history from previous uh, employment. There's a lot of trust there. You know, part of my training, I take a lot of ethics classes. And 
but I don't need ethics classes. I mean, people know, you know, what <laughs> what to do and not to do. Uh, but ultimately, well, a lot uh, of people know what not true. to do and do it anyway. That's but true. Between your Marine Corps training, mm-hmm. as well as I'm also a fellow Rotarian. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, well, great. Um, Naponsa Valley Sunrise Rotary. Oh, Club great, here in wonderful. Denham. How has that impacted how your outlook on life about? doing these dealings and, yeah. and things like that. So in the Marine Corps, it's uh, esprit de corps, the honor, courage, commitment, and all the other what normal <laughs> pe- what people think of what Marines do, that aside. But, uh, but for Rotary, of course, you know, the four-way test, is it true, is it fair to all concerned, will it be beneficial to all, uh, and is it goodwill and I, you know the other four. Yeah. But this, this I can never so, recite them, but I right. know. So my Rotarian friends who listen to this, is, they're going to be very upset <laughs> at a former <laughs> past district governor and three-time president of the Boston Club. Uh, but it, it's those values that evokes trust, uh, and it's proven as mm-hmm. trustworthy. And as far as to broker something uh, with a client, they have to have that trust in me to, to get what is fair value and and i would expect it to be fair i, I wouldn't expect it whatever the highest bid is and I, and i don't think uh, my client would feel that way too uh, because i think she has the same type of morals that i do mm. so and i i believe that it's not necessarily the highest offer you know who's buying it what do they do with this piece mm-hmm. anytime when you have uh, some questionable pieces like I wouldn't get involved in any ivory uh, type of uh, sale okay. of any ivory. I wouldn't get involved in any negative history type of pieces. Anything that's uh, vulgar, I would not get involved with selling or help sell mm-hmm. and or assess. Uh, luckily, it hasn't happened yet because it, it's a conversation that you might, you know, you're not going to get the business. Word of mouth may hurt you, but you, you got to stand by your yeah. uh, convictions and your, your beliefs. So. Uh, a good friend of mine is a boudoir photographer down in Rhode Island, and she has a collection of vintage Playboys dating back to the first issues. So, does that not be something that you would want to? No, because I think that's artwork, and I think that's art. And and some of those uh, early editions are mm. extremely valuable. She's yeah. looking for that barn find Marilyn Monroe issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good luck. Uh, but it, <laughs> what I'm thinking of i'm thinking of you know anything that uh, has some vulgar racist type of oh, okay uh, yeah. you know statements yeah. and and i understand it's history and yeah. i understand we need to we can't erase certain parts of our history i think we have to show it and then for us to teach it and say how do we make things better mm-hmm. in, our, in our lives and and i think god is a is a great way to do that but the playboy uh no i, I <laughs> If she needs a hand with it, let me know. I'm happy to uh, to appraise it. <laughs> I'll pass that on. I guess a big question that, that uh, I keep on asking people, especially in the arts field, is uh, so what is your definition of art? Oh, that's a good question. I think art, to me, is what I see as, you know, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not necessarily beautiful, but interesting, provocative, what can be uh, a topic of discussion, a topic of a very heated discussion, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is art. So there was this uh, uh, just this short story at the uh, uh, the ICA in Boston. It's a great museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. They had this painting. It was just a white canvas uh, on a wall. And I was like, I, 
I kept going back to it, and I was like, "How is this? I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. How is this odd? Is, is this like somebody went to you know, Blix, uh, took the plastic <laughs> off a canvas and just put it on the wall? And I don't know who the artist was, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little research on that. Uh, but at the same time, they had this exhibit that had paper clips or something. It's a big cube. Of, oh, it, I remember uh, that. One, I don't know yeah. what exactly what it was, but it was. That's fascinating. Somebody mm-hmm. took the time to strategically put these on here, or the toothpicks, to keep them on there from falling apart. And that that's art. You know, food can be art. I like to write poems myself on our social media. November tenth, I wrote a poem for our Marine Corps birthday. Uh, so I'm excited to to send that out. Uh, hopefully, people get a nice uh, reaction to it. Mm. So my value of art could be anything, uh, and I think I think a lot of people might share the same. May, it may articulate a little better than I did, uh, but I but I think a lot of people feel that the same thing is just it's when people look at something that they love that they can appreciate and respect uh, and display. I think that's a that's an interesting perspective on it. I like that. The first thing that went through my head was that art can be very conceptual and the blank canvas it's the blank canvas becomes the the um the placeholder for the concept Mm -hmm. and then the next thing that you mentioned food and the next thing i thought of was the banana duct taped to the wall i don't know if you remember that one i do remember that. yeah how would you assess yeah something like that that's i'm not too sure i'm gonna that's a question i have for my my two mentors so that, that's for sure i would be very curious as yeah. the answer because uh, the concept is there to yeah. be sure but yeah. you know after three days you're ready to uh scrap the banana and yeah. all you're left with is some duct tape and some paint peeling off yeah. your wall it is, it's remarkable though yeah it, it certainly is what do you wish you knew when you started doing this that i should have started 20 years ago oh wow. so i think uh although i loved what i did before i wasn't really hands-on as okay. much uh just more of yeah it's insurance company's gonna say it's worth x amount and it's gonna cost us x amount to repair it but i think with covid happening it changed the direction of this world now i have uh, an opportunity to create a you know a lasting company uh that my kids can hopefully someday uh take it over <laughs> my final question for you is something i bring up to everybody at the end of your long day of appraising or, or brokering and looking at Picasso's and, and Paul Revere bells, go home, reach into the fridge for your comfort food at the end of the day. What what would you be reaching for? Wow, it's a good question. Yeah. I'd say cereal. Cereal? <laughs> I'm always getting cereal. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast. I'm your host, Matt McKee, and today I was speaking with David Manzi. I'll have links to his website and social media in the show notes and at theartofmattmckee.com. Just click on the link for Cherry Bomb, the podcast. Please share this episode to your Facebook, Twitter, and all your social media so your friends can listen and join in the conversation. I'm also available on Twitter for questions and comments at McKeePhoto. This episode of Cherry Bomb, the podcast, could not have been done without the help of Suzanne Schultz and Canvas Fine Arts, the specialists in coaching for creatives, and editing by the always magnificent Bill Shamlian at Orb Sound. Thanks for listening, and let's start the conversation. 
Just a really quick note before your auto feed refreshes to the next episode in your queue. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe picked up a new tip or a concept, there are a couple ways you can help us keep grading it. Click on the link at the bottom of the show notes for buymeacoffee.com slash Matt McKee. Coffee is life around here. Also in the show notes is a link to theartofmattmckee.com where you can browse art from my Sweet Blast, Promethean Dreams, and Tool series of portfolios, as well as others. Get some art for that special someone in your life. And if that special someone is you, don't feel guilty. It should go without saying, you deserve nice things too. And last but certainly not least, share this episode with your friends on social media. Let them know you enjoyed it. And then you can start your own conversation.